אתה בקרבנו אדוני, ושמך עלינו נקרא. אל תניחנו, אל תניחנו אדוני Welcome everybody back to Valdoko, Salesian Family Podcast. I'm Father Steve. I'm Amy. And here we have today a special guest with us. We have Father Benny. Hi, Father Benny. Good morning. Father Benny is a, an Italian, but a priest in Jerusalem. I met him, we're good friends. I met him when I was doing uh, theology studies in Jerusalem, and now he's here to visit us. So we thought, why not podcast? Right, Amy? You've been putting him to work this entire time. I know, it's true. He came for his vacation, but we've done nothing but uh, yeah, programs. Work with programs, working with young people, and uh, working with the sisters, and now podcast. So welcome, Benny. I hope you're rest and relaxed. I love it. Great. So good. We are here to, yeah, just to continue these episodes of learning people's stories. Father Benny is actually not a Salesian, even though he does a lot of work with young people. We consider him a Salesian because he's always around and we, we love his presence. Um, and we'll talk a little bit about that as we go through the podcast. But he's actually a diocesan priest in the, what would you consider? Latin Patriarchate of Jerusalem. be carried for Hebrew-speaking Catholics in Israel. Amen. And we're going to talk about that as we go. So it's an interesting story, kind of a reality that maybe I never knew before I went to J- Jerusalem, that there was a vicariate for the Hebrew-speaking Catholics. Um, so it was a beautiful experience for me to experience that. And we'll have Benny, Father Benny talk a little bit about that as we go. But first, we have some questions for you, Father Benny. They're called this or that. So mm-hmm. you can only choose this or that. Mm. Okay. Okay. Ready. First question, are you more of an aisle or a window? When you fly in a plane, would you prefer an aisle seat or a window seat? <laughs> What a question. Aisle, of course, I'm too tall. <laughs> <laughs> How about stay at home or travel? Oh, stay at home. <laughs> mm, feel that. The home body. <laughs> And then uh, would you prefer to live the rest of your, less, the rest of your life on a beach or So looking at the ocean or in the mountains? In the mountains. This is why you guys are friends. <laughs> That's right. I got to find my mountain people. <laughs> Would you rather take notes by pen and paper or computer? Pen and paper. <laughs> all the life. <laughs> Old fashioned. All right. Great. Thank you for your willingness to answer those simple questions. You're welcome. <laughs> so let us start now with uh, just introduce yourself, Father Benny. Kind of just give us a question. Kind of a quick story, a quick run-through of how you ended up as a priest in Jerusalem. And, yeah. uh, so just, yeah, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, yeah. For the next three hours, I guess. Yeah, you got uh, five minutes. Five <laughs> minutes. Three-part series. <laughs> okay, great. Yeah, so it's true. I was born in, in southern Italy 41 years ago. And um, I always loved uh, languages and literature, so I, I studied Hebrew. comparative literatures and um, among my languages there was Hebrew I didn't know why I chose Hebrew my father was very upset didn't want to pay my 
college fees to make me study study just Hebrew, but I also learned other languages. And uh, through my studies, I ended up in Israel for the first time. It was in 2009. I was a PhD student, and I was uh, yeah, I was already a, a, yeah deep kind of uh, discernment about my vocation. I couldn't see it clearly, but I felt that there was a deep drive toward uh, religious life. And uh, when I came to Jerusalem and I found this uh, Hebrew-speaking small congregation of uh, Catholics who worship in Hebrew, who live their life in Hebrew, live among the Jewish people, I said, this is my place and this is where I want to stay for good. So after... After the doctorate, I asked to be admitted to a non-seminary because we don't have a seminary and we don't have seminarians. We don't have rectors. We have nothing. I've been the only seminarian for uh, seven years of formation, being accompanied by uh, one of our priests and our vicar. Um, and uh, surprise, I was sent to the Salesians to study theology. And it's where I first met actually Don Bosco because even being an Italian, I knew about him, I heard about him, but I never met his brothers and children. And that's where I met Father Steve, and uh, that's why I'm here. I've been ordained a priest two years, three years ago, and I'm currently, currently a, a pastor of our small community in Jerusalem. This is the shortest version <laughs> I can produce. And beautiful. But I, I would like to know... If you can remember, if you could even put it into words, that feeling of when you kind of knew, I don't know, when you first went to the Hebrew-speaking Catholic uh, community or when was that moment that it was, okay, this longing for priesthood or religious life or whatever, and then this recognition of, wow, this actually, I'm going to stay here. Yeah, I, I think that the very first time I attended a Hebrew Mass, it was in Jaffa, not even in Jerusalem. I was living in an ultra-Orthodox Jewish neighborhood called, uh, called uh, Bnei Brak, near Tel Aviv. And uh, I went there because I was looking for a priest uh, who would eventually become my first uh, superior and director, Father David Neuhaus. And I went there for Mass, and, you know, it just... the the mass started and and they said this is it this is what i was looking for we were no more than 20 people praying in the crypt of uh, the franciscan monastery in jaffa and then i said everything merges and everything is one everything makes sense now i know why i studied hebrew now i know why i did what i did for the past almost yeah then it was 10 15 years uh, so it's just a sense of uh, now things come together and I can see a wider picture uh, and, and I feel at peace. This is, I, I mean, I want more of it. Then it took a few more years to come to the final decision, of course. For me, um, when people hear about Jerusalem, especially from like the major religions that have so much base there, but could you just speak a little bit more about what life is like there? Um, what the best part is, what something is that was great when you first got there, but maybe you take for granted now, just what that overall experience is like of being in Jerusalem. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, it's a very good question because here in the States, you also have all world religions here and you have people of different backgrounds and cultures and languages. But what the way we live it and experience it in Israel is very, very different. 
somebody said that, uh, you know, in the United States, you have this melting pot idea that ultimately we are all, Amer you are all American and America in the first place. And then at home you are uh, Jewish or Christian or Hindu or whatever. In Israel, it's not like this. In Israel, we have more like a, a fruit salad where the apple is an apple, the orange is an apple, uh, is an orange, and the banana is a banana, you can see them. There is no, no concept of being Israelis. And uh, uh, if you are not Jewish, uh, you, you, you know that, and, and it's clear. So even Jerusalem, that's this place that is packed with religion, all sorts and all denominations, all sects within every single religion, uh, it is very strong. So we live uh, one next to, it, uh, to the other, but uh, there's not really a, a deep togetherness, no? So I live in, in a street, for example, the Prophet Street in Jerusalem. In the same street, you have uh, ultra-Orthodox Jews, and then, uh, you know, 500 meters uh, down, you find uh, an Ethiopian Orthodox Church, and then there is my congregation, Hebrew-speaking Catholics, And there are some uh, Baptist churches, and then you go a little bit more, you are Messianic Jews, but we don't really meet together. You know? We meet on the streets. Yeah, of course, the language is a factor that unifies us because we all speak Hebrew. Uh, but other than that, the society is, is fragmented. Uh, it has also its beauty, its beauty, because there is less risk of uh, fading uh, out or losing your identity. Uh, you you keep being who you are and you can learn how to live with or beside other people, uh, along other people who are different from you. Uh, but it's definitely the best place to come if you want to learn about other faiths and other traditions because everything is there. And it's so small, so it, everything is at hand. Yeah, something I always... Just when I think about Jerusalem and think about my experience there, I really did feel like it was a, in one of the Psalms, it talks about this compact city, you know, and this idea of the whole entire world being compacted in this one small place. So you have all the religion, culture, history, politics, the good, the bad, the ugly, like so much uh, there just kind of compact together. And it's, uh, it just makes for a, a beautiful experience. No, difficult at times, you know, I, you speak about sometimes the difficulty of, yeah, just the clash sometimes of the, the different cultures, religions, different things that happen. Um, but then I know I've experienced really good moments of prayer or good moments of, of being together, of meeting different cultures, of hearing different stories. And you've been there for how long now? I spent my last 12 years there, always living in Jerusalem, always living in the same house. Yeah, I, I always tell people who come for the first time here you will find a lot of religion and maybe some faith <laughs> <laughs> i mean uh, the fact of being uh, observant and keeping the tradition and religion doesn't make us uh, re uh, spiritual or people of faith and i think this is a risk everywhere in the world especially when we use religion as a kind of flag or as a program as an ideology to fight those who think again in a different way or against us, uh, this is not faith. This is really ideology and the bad use of religion that unfortunately is causing so many wars in the world I come from. Yeah. And then you just became the pastor now of this community. So you had a different, you were working with young people, you had a 
a center for immigrant children and different things that you were doing before, but you just became a pastor of this community. And so what has that been, what has that new experience been like for you of now trying to pastor and be the, the priest there for this community in this environment? What has that been like for you? Yeah, it's really weird because the, the very first, I mean, when I was appointed like six months ago, I, I had to tell my congregation that it really feels weird. You know, I was born here. You, you, you raised me. I, everything I know, I learned it from you. And now, I mean, I, I'm a child of this congregation and now I am your father and brother, but yet I'm your pastor. So it's, it's really difficult and I'm just starting off. So I'm learning, making mistakes, of course. Uh, but I think it's the story of my life. You no, know, I strive to get used to new things, and then when I am got when I got used, I have to do something else, something new. I, for two years and a half, I directed this center for children. In the beginning, I really felt that's really the wrong choice. I'm not the right person. But then afterwards, I I realized that I coped and I did. Eventually, I did a good job, and now I have to change and start anew. And for me, the I think. One of the biggest challenges is to know how to be father to all. And uh, keep in mind that uh, the average age of my congregation is uh, 75, 80. And I have some, some of my children were 101 or 95, 96. <laughs> and I have to be their father. Um, being uh, in a Jewish uh, milieu, we also have some people who are actually Jewish and uh, some of our oldest, uh, uh, no, eldest uh, members are Holocaust survivors. So imagine what, what it means to me to accompany somebody who is going towards the last years of their life, coping with all the questions that they have about God, about life, about surviving such a terrible and horrible experience. And you find me coming from Italy, just only 41 years old, you know, uh, yeah, but I trust God who put me there, and uh, perhaps it is more for me than for them. Amen. Any other questions for Father Benny about Jerusalem or about that before we move to the Salesian part? No, I feel like we could have a three part series, though, if we just want to keep talking forever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting. I think we, we don't always hear. Just how big the church is. You know, we're so used to our kind of American kind of bubble, the religion that we see here, the faith that we see here, and then when recognizing, and that was my one of my biggest experiences being over there in Jerusalem, is just how how universal the church is, you know, and how beautiful it is to hear the mass prayed in Hebrew or in Arabic, or to go and see the Orthodox churches, to go see the Greek Catholic, to go see the Jewish community and all the diversity that's in the Jewish community and how just how beautiful it is to see the diversity, you know, and, and that not everybody is the same, not everybody, it's not uniformity, and our God is, is listening to all these languages. You know, and, and now you, you speak and pray more in Hebrew than you do in your mother tongue, Italian, no? Yeah, there are things I only know in Hebrew. Yeah, but it's weird, for example, when, I, when I'm here and you say the credo, for example, I don't know the credo in English. So if I have to say it, uh, then I will say it in Italian because it's what I learned from child, uh, childhood, from my childhood. But when I pray alone, I, I tend to pray more in Hebrew because it's the language I, I'm used to. And I, actually, it's, it's also my, my language of choice. It's the one I prefer. Amazing. 
that's incredible. I want to yeah. get there one day. Yeah, so, <laughs> um, so now to move, this is the Salesian Family Podcast. And we just realized today, or I just realized this morning, that Father Benny is actually a past pupil of the Salesian family because he graduated from our Salesian Theology School, the Theologate in Jerusalem. Um, but he's not technically an SDB, even though he's been around the Salesian family now for for some years, and he's had some good experiences, hopefully, and uh, you know, seen the priests, the brothers, the sisters, and so just to kind of get an outside perspective on on the Salesian charism that you've experienced, um, whether that be uh, there in Jerusalem or maybe. You've had some experiences here now because you visited last year. You're here again this year. And uh, so maybe can start off about maybe your experience now or your take on, on Don Bosco, on his mission, on the Salesian family, uh, maybe from a quick outsider perspective, what you have seen or experienced. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's really fitting to uh, start off from here because it's true. I, I studied in a Salesian university. Most of my teachers were Salesians, but I never seen them uh, on duty, working with, with youth and, and doing what they really do. So my first contact with, with your families, family was uh, you know, an intellectual approach. Uh, but it, it's, it's only here when I, when I came last year and this year even more that I could see... Uh, what it means to be a Salesian. And when I want to share with you that my very, really first impression, what brought me to tears, it was uh, last year when I participated in Father Steve's ordination in Port Chester. And I saw this old Salesian priest trying to make, to make it to the upper floor, working the, walking the stairs. And there was a young boy helping him out. And I watched the scene. I saw it from, from behind, from their back. And then I started tearing because I could sense how much these youth are grateful to uh, a family that have has made them, themselves friends and companions of families. Because I, I realized that that young boy was the son of an ex, uh, 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 what do you call it, al alumni, who, whose, whose grandfather was also. So it's for generations. So by honoring this old priest, uh, that guy is just giving back a little of what he received uh, uh, from this love that is really true, honest, and, and, and free, and for free, just out, out of love for the youth. So this was my first touching experience last year. Uh, but this year, I mean, I could see you uh, even more uh, on the battlegrounds, <laughs> uh, having shared uh, with Father Steve uh, two weekends with uh, young adults and uh, yeah, and the second one I was also blessed to be able to to be a co-chaplain uh, it gave me a lot I, I saw and I realized something that I somebody told me about Don Bosco many years ago Don Bo I don't know if it's true if he actually said it but it sounds like <laughs> something he could have said uh, that it is not enough to love the youth you have to make them feel loved and that was really my what, what, what I sensed, what I felt since the very beginning, you know, seeing these young girls coming and the sisters were waiting for them. Everything was prepared, everything was set up, everything was in place. And they were always uh, looking for an opportunity to serve them more. If you need anything, let us know. I think that the rooms are okay, but if you find something missing, let us know. Even in the middle of the night, call us this availability, this 
choosing to dedicate your life to the youth, I think this is really beautiful, great, uh, amazing, and yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm impressed. <laughs> it's beautiful to hear the testimony from someone who's a little bit older because we've been hearing the testimonies from people who experienced the lesions much younger. And I myself experienced in my 20s, so I was a little bit older than most of the people who we've um, had on the podcast when they first experienced the lesions. And to hear that, it's pretty much the same thing. Like the observation is so much the same of that deep caring, no matter if you're encountering a priest brother or sister or a lay member of the Slesian family, that deep caring of going above and beyond of, like you said, wanting to make sure that they know that they're loved, not just doing it. Um, so it's nice to hear that common theme carried, even from a complete outside perspective, didn't encounter them when they were young, weren't on the receiving end of that love, but same exact story mm -hmm. and in you know different countries it doesn't matter but that same experience to be mm. heard and the joy i would i would also i like the this aspect of of cheerfulness and joy uh the older they get the <laughs> more, more, more joyful they mm -hmm. are uh, maybe you know their bodies uh, slow down and they are less uh, active in life but uh, I don't know, I can see this joy shining uh, from their uh, eyes. Uh, and this is amazing, you know. It, unfortunately, it's not common. Uh, not every consecrated person knows how to grow old in, in peace and, uh, and also with this joy of life. Sometimes you see people who are bitter, sad. Or for us, for example, uh, pastors and diocesan priests, once you retire, you feel useless. There's nothing else you can do. No, I've been running parishes for years and now, and, and I see here that people still have a purpose. First of all, because you function as, they function as a body. So even if I have to stay home because I can't do a lot of things, I still participate in this mystical body that is apostolic, that is uh, outgoing, and I can offer my support, my prayer, my friendship, um, so this is really beautiful. I love that perspective. I've actually talked about that with Vicky before because when we're working with the younger priests, there's so much going on. There's so much that they have to do. And then when they get to an older age and they're actually able to slow down, like you were saying, instead of, you know, being upset that they can't do things, they're like, I want to be with the young. I want to be out there. And I'm just going to be in their presence and, and everything like that. And like you said, to find the joy. So I really like that you point that, pointed that out because that's something that I've definitely experienced as well and kind of take for granted that that's not the case with every priest because I've been so long working with specifically Salesian priests and brothers at this point. Yeah, and I, I literally have somebody, <coughs> excuse me, I literally have somebody praying for me that I age gracefully. <laughs> <laughs> Storming heaven. <laughs> yeah, just because it is. It is a, you know, a concern of, of how do you, when your body functions and you're able to play sports still and you're able to, to really be out there, then you feel like a Salesian. But then as time goes on and maybe you start slowing down or health doesn't, uh, doesn't remain as it used to, okay, then how do you still keep that joy? I definitely saw that when we were at the sisters. Uh, there was this one sister who was cooking um, and she really was struggling because she had back pains. She was wearing this back brace. She was wearing something else on her arms. 
you know, you could tell that she was in pain. You could tell that she is, you know, getting older and her body is not uh, as strong as it used to be. But she was in the kitchen, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. She was cooking for, we had a retreat with, with young women. We were chaplains for the, the FMA, the Sleeping Sisters. They had this Mornese experience, and, and she was there cooking um, breakfast, lunch, and dinner for, for all of us, for all 30 of us. And you could see struggling, but really with joy. She was so happy that we were eating the food that she was cooking. And she kept reminiscing about her time with, at camp that she used to be, and she used to cook for literally 700 people um, during camp breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and how she was able to do that with joy and, and dedication and love. And it was just a good witness of, of wanting to be still involved. And, and they really, for me, really, the beautiful thing about these past two weeks of being on these young adult retreats, uh, both the one we had for the SDBs, which was a mixed group, uh, men and women, and then being a chaplain for the FMAs, which was just women, but really just working and living alongside young people and i think that's where we are we are the best we could be like we are really salesian when we are working and living and praying and eating and doing all of that side by side with with young people learning from them both on both these retreats um, i learned a lot about my priesthood about who i am just by having conversations with with these young adults so i think that is just a real goal for us um, that we really share life that it's not always us bringing Jesus, it's not us preaching, that it's really us also listening, also learning, also being shoulder to shoulder with, with young adults. And, and I could see how that is where Don Bosco was, that's where Mary Mazzarella was, really side by side, um, having fun, praying, eating, everything with each other, learning from each other, walking little by little towards heaven together. Uh, it's really a, just a beautiful experience I felt. Um, I agree with every word you said. What did you learn? What was one thing that you, you felt that you learned over this past two weeks? Well, there's a couple of things that one girl taught me, but I cannot repeat them uh, because it was personal, but I received uh, two uh, words of wisdom. And she was, uh, she was suffering, she was in pain, and yet uh, yeah, she was able to give something to me. Um, as for my priesthood, I, I learned uh, I learned that it's a bunch of things that are still missing in the way I exercise my ministry. I would like to improve, and it's really this aspect of um, generosity and availability. I'm I'm terrified by being uh, overwhelmed and to burn out, so I tend to protect myself and to set boundaries. So you know, because I think that a burned out priest is. Uh, yeah, that's nothing. So I really want to be able to help people, but you have to keep your balance and to 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 stay also in a healthy shape. So and I, I tend to get tired very easy, easily. But uh, I really believe that if something re requires your presence, is because God wants you to be there, and God also gives you all the energies and powers to carry that out. So never say no when a request comes in, if it's legitimate and if it's uh, proportionate, of course. Uh, but yeah, I would like to be more uh, uh, ready to say, yes, here I am, you know, send me out. I want, I want to serve. And plenty of other things that I'm still processing. So if you interview me one year <laughs> in time from today, I will be able to tell you about this summer 2022. Amazing. We'll go to Jerusalem, no? Okay, that's fine. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> Welcome. 
I just wanted to talk a little bit about your friendship because you guys are very good friends. So Father Benny, if you want to lead it off, but Father Steve, if you also want to add. So just as adults, being able to build a friendship and then maintain it from a distance. And then also if there's anything that um, Father Steve challenges you to be better priest, better person, and then vice versa. Like what, what your friendship adds to your life. Go ahead, Benny. <laughs> I'm all ears. All well, good things. <laughs> uh, you know, a friend and a companion and a fellow, a fellow, fellow is what I've always been looking for throughout my life. Always looking for uh, this person with, with whom I, I can be totally myself and uh, share life difficulties and choices of life and i could never f find one not because i mean i have plenty of friends and uh, you know but i wanted that companion that brother and um yeah god gave him to me in a, in a very unexpected way it was hard to win him uh, when, he, <laughs> when he first came when he first arrived it was i don't know then eventually i learned that he was scared but he was a bit distant, you know, in Jerusalem, not really paying attention to me. And then, because of my thesis, when I was in my last year, he was a freshman, uh, my tutor, who is a Salesian priest, uh, suggested we, uh, we should meet, Father Steve and I, and uh, review my thesis, because my thesis was written in English, and as you can see, <laughs> my English has a lot of holes. But, uh, I don't uh, see that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he reviewed he reviewed my thesis, and I was supposed to teach him Italian, and we did it for two or three times, and then I think that that was the that was the takeoff. Then we decided that we don't want to learn languages; we want to learn each about Aww. each other, and uh, <laughs> we gave it up. <laughs> and then we started meeting regularly every Sunday for breakfast, and every Sunday was uh, an adventure um, for four years. Then uh, COVID hit, and for a couple of months, we weren't able to, to meet each other, but we still met uh, virtually. So each one was holding his own mug with his own <laughs> coffee, and we would have <laughs> breakfast on Sunday. <laughs> um, and then plenty of uh, experiences. I, I really loved taking him to my favorite places in the Holy Land and uh, also introducing him to my favorite uh, monasteries, religious congregations, communities, sisters, nuns, because for me it's very important to have this um, relationship between, you know, male and women in church. I think it's a, it's a huge uh, tool to grow up in a, in a balance, uh, like, like in a family. Yeah? And then, yeah, four years we went on like this and we shared a lot. And then last year, I really wanted to accompany him throughout his ordination. So he asked me to accompany him the, in the previous days, in a kind of small, short retreat. And I was flattered by his request, even though I, I, I don't think I had the numbers to do, to do it. But um, we did it. It was great. On his ordination, I, I cried like a baby for about <laughs> three days. Yeah, honestly, truly. And uh, and then the big challenge was really when, okay, I say, okay, I accompanied him. Now he's going to stay. I'm going to go back home alone. And let's see how this thing worked, uh, will work out. And uh, I was amazed by God because during this year, we have never lost track of each other. 
and uh, yeah, we talk regularly. We we actually I don't know if we can share, but we we prepared the homilies together. No way. <laughs> yes, so we day of the week where we re- we go through the Sunday readings and we share, and then from there each one prepares his own homily when he's not too busy. But uh, when I mean normal times, we have been able to do it regularly. So this is what he adds to my to my priesthood, and uh, he challenges me with his talents, with his charism, with the fact that it's impossible not to love him, and everybody likes him. Yeah, debatable. Yeah, yeah look at her face. Look at, Isn't look it at, so yeah. annoying? Look at, look at Amy's face. <laughs> I hate when people are so likable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he's also annoying. <laughs> no, yeah, but so, I mean, I'm not the most... Um, qualified person to speak because i would only say good things that's the story you wanted to know that that was perfect no (laughs) i loved how faith was so much at the center of everything because a lot of times we can have friends who have a similar faith but oh well we go to movies together or we do this together and it and that's fine to to do other things together but so much of what you were talking about visiting the monasteries preparing homilies together being able to retreat um the so much of it is faith based um and then the other stuff like having breakfast together and things like that is there as well but it's an important reminder to not take that aspect for granted in our own friendships because i think that's something that we can get so focused on oh i have a a woman of faith who's my friend but we don't really engage that aspect of it so i really appreciated that that was so much a part of the story of your friendship beautiful and also, for, I mean, for me, I can say many things, many things, but uh, for me, the important thing is, and I tell this to a lot of the young people too, is is trying to find somebody who knows everything, you know? So not everybody in your life can you tell everything to, like all of the dark stuff, all, like everything, the good, the bad, the ugly, everything that's inside your heart, everything that you experienced, everything that's there. But to have somebody or a few people in your life that really know who you are, the good and the bad, the things that nobody else knows but God, um, but to be able to tell that to somebody and for somebody to hear that and to still love you and still to be your friend and still to challenge you and accompany you and give you, you know, the comfort and the 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 hug that you need in those moments is uh, is beautiful and it's life giving and it takes away a lot of the anxiety or the heaviness of life when you have somebody to really to share with uh, to share life with the good times the tough times so even at a distance you know that's possible now thanks to technology Um, but then also have these moments where he's willing to come here to the united states to visit hopefully next year we'll meet on that side uh, because we have world youth day coming up in 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 fatima in portugal so hopefully to make maybe a trip to italy or to Spain or somewhere at least closer to Jerusalem where, where things can line up uh, would, be, would be amazing. But I think, yeah, just this idea of friendship. And he came at the right time. And I think for me, that is how God sp- has spoken to me, really, as now as I look back at my life, constantly he's sending me people. You know, constantly he's sending me people who have changed the course of my life, have kind of altered and said, move in this direction. So very back in college, you know, somebody was sent to me that send me on to this uh, retreat, no, not the retreat, the alternative spring break. So this random woman who was leading this trip came up to me and then I went on this, this uh, service trip and that really changed the direction of my life. And then, you know, different people I've met and Benny was definitely one of those people that I met that 
that changed everything for me. That really got me through some difficult times in, in Jerusalem. And uh, so he's definitely an angel. Um, but now friend and uh, friend, fellow, brother. And uh, we keep, yeah, so it's, it's beautiful. Something for life and something that uh, definitely God given and God is at the center. And, and just, but to be honest and authentic with somebody is so important. So I think that's for me a, a huge thing that we need more of in the church, but just in our regular life, you know, to find people who really can accompany one another in all honesty and all freedom and humility. And uh, thanks, Benny. <laughs> this is so cute. <laughs> so cute. Oh, good. Any other questions, Amy? No, those are my questions. Beautiful. So the the end of this is always uh, an opportunity for the, our guest to give a little advice. So we don't know who exactly is listening to this. It could be anybody. But if you were to give advice to the younger Benny or to a young person or to to give some sort of words of wisdom, words of advice... We would invite you to do so now. Put you on the spot. Okay, so I'll try to to speak to myself. Okay, like uh, twenty years ago. Perfect. Um, so Benny or <laughs> whatever your name is, <laughs> or listening, I think you can trust God. Um, God knows exactly what you need and what you are longing for, and what you are seeking. And God is preparing wonderful things for you. Unexpected things much way way beyond your imagination try to think of the best thing that may happen to you and multiply it to the infinite and you it will be even more uh, keep going never stop never surrender try to give up a little bit one day at a time of your ego of your programs of your projects and let life lead you because life and god are the same thing Nothing happens that is outside the will of God or outside the grace of God. And know always that he's always preceding you. Every step you, step you take, God have, has already taken it before and is making a way for you to, your, uh, to a joyful, happy, and fulfilled destiny and, and fullness of life. Yeah, this is my advice. Amen. Amen. Great. So thank you for your time. Thank you for being here. And, I'm uh, on vacation. Yeah, Plenty of kind, <laughs> kind of on vacation, kind of on vacation. It's a working vacation. But the other thing we'd asked our guests is to, to pray at the end. Uh, so to lead us in prayer. In Hebrew. I was going to say the same thing. Yeah, if you don't mind, just uh, even though we are not going to understand, but we know you're talking to God and we know that you're praying. Yeah. Hopefully you can so say whatever you want. Okay, I'll, <laughs> I'll, 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 sing, I'll sing a verse from, from scripture that says, you are in our, in our midst, God. And your name has been invoked upon us. Don't uh, abandon us, uh, God our Lord. Lord, okay. Adonai okay. Alta nichenu Adonai Eloheinu Adonai 
Amen. Amen. Merry Hubble Christians. Pray, Pray for, for us. us. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father Benny. Thank you. And shout out to Vicky, who's in Florida. Ciao, hey. Victoria. <laughs> Thank you, Amy. Thank you, Father Benny. And everybody listening, we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Bye.